Well, good morning, my friends. Good morning, saints. It's good to see you this morning. We're here to worship. Welcome to worship at the park as you find your seats. We're going to open by singing a song together, and then Aaron's going to come up and, and have some announcements for you. But let's just start by singing together the praises of our King Jesus. If you need to know the words, they're inside your binders. We're going to sing that first song, Hosanna. Sing with me. Worthy of all our praise. 
Park and be in worship today and have our, our uh, annual picnic. I'm glad to have you here. Of course, Pastor Aaron, uh, it's a thrill to, to be uh, worshiping a real living God. And uh, it's, uh, what a privilege that is. And one of the reasons that we come out here and worship downtown is remember that the Christian Church of Essence Park is part of this community. And we want to bring Jesus to this entire community, the good news, the gospel of Christ. This uh, reminds us that God loves all of these people. And uh, so in this time that we're worshiping God and, and praising him here, uh, I see you'd also be praying for our community, uh, that everyone gets to know this amazing God that we get to worship and praise today. Since you're here this morning, if you wouldn't mind, take out this uh, inside these bulletins that there's a connection card that's in there. Of course, this helps us to connect with you. It helps us to pray for you throughout the week. And uh, just letting us know you're here is really helpful. So uh, just let us know that you're here. If any information has changed, of course, uh, maybe your phone number, or email address, anything like that. Uh, you can update that for us as well. And we're going to hold on to this uh, at the end of the message. Uh, we're going to have the basket passed. And you can drop that in the offering basket along with your tithes and your offerings as passed. Um, so that'll be good. There's going to be some next steps, of course, like all every week. And if you are a guest here uh, this morning, we uh, welcome you. Welcome to the, uh, our Praise in the Park. It's going to be a lot of fun today. Uh, and uh, we encourage you to write, uh, fill out whatever you feel comfortable filling out. And along with everyone else, you can drop this in the offering basket as it is passed. And, of course, on the back side for everybody here, there's a place to put your prayer requests. Uh, we, it's important that we pray for you. It's one of the ways that I love to get to serve you and, uh, and our staff. So if you would mind, just let us know how to pray for you. You can write that down anytime during the message and uh, you can drop the offering message. Now that you're filling that out, a couple of announcements, some things that uh, we do have happen at churches. You're also on that yellow sheet that's in your bulletin there. But uh, first one is we do have a membership class coming up. You know, we are disciples of Jesus that build generational transformational disciples of Jesus. Part of that is uh, we've got to make sure that we're following after Christ. We don't stay stagnant. And one of those steps of faith is we need to be, all of us got to be connecting with the church family. That's pretty clear in the New Testament. Jesus called us to that. You need pastors, you need elders, we need each other, brothers and sisters, we need that community. And so if you've been joining us for a while, only a few months, and, and you kind of know this church, and you say this is a, a church family I, I'm interested in becoming part of, uh, we invite you to join us next Sunday after our second service. Uh, having our membership class and uh, in that class you get to learn what we believe as a church how we're structured also we get to know you a little better and how we can help you connect and serve you as you grow up in faith so uh, if you haven't taken that class yet and join us in membership we encourage you to take that next step and how you can let me know you're going to do that is write mc on your connection card uh, that makes me let me know that i need to get lunch ready for you because i don't want to have low blood sugar as we're teaching the class because people fall asleep and as well as have your materials there so uh, there's that also uh, baptism class uh, is going to be the following Sunday. If you haven't taken that step of faith of being immersed in, in, as a, as expression of your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to learn about why we would do that, what baptism is, how we do it, why we do it that way, and the significance of it, I encourage you to join us in that baptism class. It's going to be after our second service the following Sunday. Uh, you can write BC for baptism class on your connection card. Uh, that'll let me know. Make sure I have your email address on there, your phone number, so I can send you an email or a text to remind you, because we forget sometimes we do on Sunday. So, there you go. Also, uh, we have a tamale fundraiser that's happening for our Mexico missions team, and there's some important details on that, and I'm going to let Jesse share those, uh, the details for you. Uh, so, Jesse, here you go. Ooh, check. Here we go. Okay, so tamale fundraiser, this is our last 
kind of big fundraiser before we go on a trip, which is in less than a month now. It was a month from four days ago that we leave for Mexico. Uh, it's a team of, of nine people now, and, and we're getting geared up for it. Um, but we really want to uh, take a burden off of the church that we're serving with in Mexico. Uh, and so by uh, placing an order for some tamales, which, by the way, they're going to be handmade and homemade, which is going to be fantastic. Uh, and so uh, if you would like to order some tamales, we have some ladies that are going to be in the back at the end of service. Uh, Brenda, could you raise your hand if you don't know Brenda? There's Brenda. Uh, everybody say hi, Brenda. Thank you. Okay. So if you would like to order some tamales, some homemade tamales, uh, we would like you to go visit her after the service. And you can also, you can pay cash, you can pay by check, you can pay uh, online. Just make sure you bring your receipt. Uh, and we're going to be making tamales by hand on Saturday, this Saturday, July 15th. Uh, and so if you would like to learn how to make some tamales, if you would like to come and join us in making some tamales together, we're going to be there all day because tamales take a long time. And so uh, starting at 9 a.m., you can come to the church and we're going to be making tamales together. Uh, you can learn how to do it and participate in it that way. But uh, we just ask for, for your love and your prayers as we continue to ready to, to serve the Lord and evangelize the lost in Tijuana in a month. This could be an awesome way to uh, support our men's mission team. Of course, the scripture tells us that in the church, it's not just those who go are on missions. The whole church is part of the missions thing. So we don't just send uh, with our financing, but also with our prayers. And so uh, continue to be praying for our mission, Mexico missions team right now in advance uh, before they go. And also uh, for Pastor Roberto and the church in Tijuana, that uh, God does everything that he wants to accomplish there through our people. So uh, with that in mind, uh, let's pray for them and pray for this service. And then we'll get into doing some great worship. So Heavenly Father, we uh, are enamored of you. You are good in every possible way. In fact, uh, scripture says that you are light and in you is no darkness whatsoever. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, well, I can't even comprehend uh, your perfection and your goodness, but I do experience it, and I'm grateful for it. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would, uh, your Holy Spirit would join us today, that you would be welcomed in this space, and not just in this physical space, but also in our spirits and hearts today, that you'd be honored and glorified with everything we do. And Father, in that, we lift up our Mexico missions team in advance, that you would not only provide the funding that they need, and, you know, but Father, that in your abundance, that you would fill them with knowledge and wisdom and opportunity, that you prepare a, a ministry in advance for them. We pray for Pastor Roberto, for the, for the church down in, in Tijuana, Father, that you would prepare hearts and minds in that community to receive the gospel, and that good things, Father, great things would happen to bring you glory. And Father, we pray that same blessing here today as you continue to grow and build this church, Father, that it wouldn't be just this church, but your church, your kingdom that would grow in us and through us for your glory. And in that, Lord, today, uh, may everything we do, the message, the worship, the singing, the prayer, the communion, all of it, may it draw our hearts closer to yours. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, well, would you stand with us as we continue to worship God? And in our experience, we've got about 25 minutes of good weather left. And so let's, let's use that up worshiping the Lord. What hearts of love, what the 
few weeks we've been doing a song that is just singing the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we're doing that because I believe there's a power in, in singing the scriptures. Um, that's what the ancient Hebrews did. They sang the Psalms. And so uh, I want to do more of that. I want to do more of just singing the scriptures because there's power in the word of God. And so the past couple of weeks, we've been doing a new song that is just the Lord's Prayer. And this morning, I want to sing as we're in Estes Park. 
and we have a goal to, to make disciples here in Estes Park. That's why our church exists. Um, we're going to sing uh, John 3.16. So it's a simple song. You'll probably catch on to it really quickly. But um, I wanted to sing this because there's, there's power in this. And this is the message that we want Estes Park to know, that there is a God who loves them and sent his own son in their place. And so uh, we're going to sing this chorus a couple times. Um, just so that you can kind of get the hang of it. Um, but we just kind of want to pray this song over our town. This is what we want to do. This is what we exist for. And so uh, this is how it goes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son Whosoever believe will not perish, they shall have eternal life. Let's sing that again for God so loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his own.
keeps us clean. Father, it is by Jesus' stripes that we are healed. Nothing that we can offer, nothing that we can bring to the table. But Lord, you came up 100%. You came all the way for us. So Lord, we just want to rejoice today in the fact that while we were still sinners, while we were still in rebellion, and even now as we continue to sometimes fall and falter, that you loved us in that. Lord, we, we take confidence You knew what you were buying on the cross, uh, and you have no interest in returning. Lord, thank you for being with us through thick and thin, through the easy and the difficult, for loving us even while we are walking away from you. So Lord, we just thank you, we praise you, we just ask that you would continue to minister to us this morning, that you would speak to us, that uh, Lord, you would give an expectation in our own hearts, that you would place an expectation there. Uh, that you're going to move, uh, that you are going to meet us here. Uh, so, Lord, that's what we want. That's what we seek. It's for your beautiful name that we pray together. And all God's people said, amen. You may take your seat. Pastor Aaron and I are no fools. We know that we're all human beings and that we walk into church uh, with some stuff. Um, and maybe it's good stuff and maybe it's not so good stuff. Uh, but you walk in here this morning with something. Um, and so this is your opportunity to just kind of lay that down at the feet of Jesus. So let's, let's take a moment and in your own uh, heart, let's just begin to lay before the Lord what is on our minds, the things that we can give him thanksgiving for and praises and the, the things that are burdening us. Let's uh, unify together in our prayers. Now let's let's pray as we're here in Estes Park. Let's pray for our local government here, for the school board, uh, for people in positions of power here in Estes Park. Let's pray for God's provision, his guidance, his wisdom over their lives.
but let's unite our prayers now and let's begin just begin to pray over the children and the teenagers in Estes Park. There are so many voices vying and fighting for their attention to disciple them, to show them uh, uh, paths that lead to destruction. Let's just pray that God would begin to put people in their lives that would show them that, that this, that the gospel is the path that leads to life. Let's, let's begin to lift up the children and teenagers in our community. pray for your neighbor, uh, the, the neighbors that live to your left and your right in front of your house. Uh, if you know them by name, pray for them by name. If you know their needs, pray their needs specifically. And if you don't know your neighbors, would you just begin to pray for an opportunity uh, to get to know them so that you can speak life into them? Wherever you want to lead us, 
Lord, where you go, we want to go. Where you send us, we want to go there. So Lord, would you fill this place? Would you fill your people with your Holy Spirit? That we could reach those who are lost yet in darkness. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' beautiful name we pray. You should have a uh, communion cup in front of you somewhere. And so go ahead and grab that. You can begin to try and open that because I know it takes a while. Today, as we approach the table of the Lord, I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Because the, the table of the Lord, the, the cup and the bread, it's, it's a few different things. It is certainly a remembrance of what Jesus did. And it is certainly celebration that by his death we have life. Um, but it is also a third thing, and I want to touch on that this morning for just a moment. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So Paul says that as we break bread together, as we come to the, to the cup and the bread, that what we're doing is not just an intellectual thought. It's not just a, a movement of the heart, but this is actually participation in the cross of Jesus Christ that he was crucified and murdered on 2000 years ago. Uh, when we take this cup and this bread, we are climbing up on the cross with him and putting sin to death in our own lives. And what Paul is saying here is that it's not right for us to still have idols that we are participating with and to try and participate on the cross because our God is a jealous God. And so right now I wanna give you an opportunity to put away all of the idols that, that come to your mind that, that you have been participating with, that you've been enjoying in your heart or in your mind, with your eyes, with your hands. And I wanna give you this opportunity to repent, put those things to death and climb up on the cross with Christ. So let's take a moment and let's begin to repent of our sin and turn from our idols.
occurs to me that some of you may not know what your heart is idolizing. And if you don't know, and you don't know what to repent of right now, an idol is just anything that you have preferred and put above God in your life. And so would you just ask right now and ask this, the Holy Spirit of God to show you, show you what, what is your idol? What is the thing that I have loved more than you? received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Church take eat and participate. same way he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me church take drink and participate for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes again Father, we thank you for the gift of your table. Lord, that any time in scripture, you, you know, we just see you so often eating a meal with your people and, and inviting us to pull up a chair, to commune with you, to be with you in your presence. And Lord, that's what we are right now. We're in your presence. All of us who have taken this bread and cup have have pulled up a chair to your table and said yes to you. And Lord, I pray that uh, this morning at this church, this gathering of believers, that the song of our hearts would be only you, only you. That our hearts would be so filled with love for you that there would be no room for an idol or something to take us away from your presence. So Lord, we thank you for what this cup reminds us of, that Jesus suffered and died, bled in our place. And yet we now have an opportunity to participate in his death and his resurrection by dying to sin and walking in the new life that you've given to us. So Lord, we thank you and we praise you. It's in your beautiful name we pray together. Amen. Me really well. All right. 
We're in our series on the sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, greatest message, our most influential, important message ever given, and, uh, that Jesus gave at the beginning of his ministry, really a manifesto of God's kingdom. Uh, and uh, as we uh, go into that, it's important that we keep this message all in context as to what Jesus was doing. He gave us the beginning of his ministry. It, it allowed us to kind of see what he was up to, and then the rest of his teachings kind of filled in the blanks, let us know what he was about. And that's going to make sense. It's going to be important as we get to today's text, as we go into it this third week in the Sermon on the Mount. And if you have your Bibles, you want to turn them to Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're going to be today. Uh, up to this point, Jesus began his, his Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes, those eight wonderful uh, truths about uh, who is inside of the brackets of God's kingdom. And uh, we saw from that a couple really important things, three keys that God gives us, Jesus gives us to understanding his kingdom. You're not going to get his kingdom outside of that because it's so different than the kingdom of this world. Like all the other kingdoms of the world, very much like our own country, right? We have borders. We have a constitution. You are uh, an American because you were born inside the United States of America. You live inside of its borders and therefore its laws uh, apply to you. But God's kingdom is not like the, the kingdom of this world. In fact, it's international. It's, it doesn't have borders and things. God's kingdom is wherever Jesus is king. And that means wherever we obey Christ in his way, in his rule, this is where Jesus rules. It's his kingdom. And, and so when he goes into it saying there's going to be a different kind of kingdom, it's going to operate a very, very different kind of way. God's doing something very different than they expected the Messiah to come and do. He tells them the first thing and that is that the kingdom of God has got to be personal before it becomes public or before it's political, right? That, that God's kingdom is a kingdom first of the heart. Until it's a kingdom of the heart, it's never going to go anywhere else. That Jesus has to reign here first and most. But as he reigns here, then we will get to see it, that it begins to affect the world around which we live. And with that, we recognize in Jesus the second thing that he really shows us in there, that God's kingdom requires faith and faithfulness. It's, you're going to have to accept things that are bigger than your brain. This is God's kingdom, the kingdom of Christ. It's, it's not my kingdom. It's not something created by earth. It's not created by humans. It's bigger than our brains. There's going to be stuff in God's kingdom that we're not going to fully be able to understand, but we're going to have to trust. He takes us above and beyond, and I'm grateful for that because the greatest kingdom in this world inevitably always become corrupt and eventually fall apart. But God's kingdom is not that way. And so it requires faith, which is why the very entrance into God's kingdom is that we are saved by God's grace through faith. Not by what we do or our level of perfection, but by trusting Him. But also it requires faithfulness. We have to stay true to what God asks. We can't say we're part of God's kingdom if we're not letting Jesus be our Lord. If he's not really king, if we're not obeying him and trusting him and being faithful to him, if we're not seeking God with our whole hearts, then are we really inside of living as though we are members of his kingdom? So God's kingdom requires faith and faithfulness in all aspects. Not perfection, I'm grateful for that, but faith and faithfulness. And of course, he goes on to talk about how it's working. The devil hates this message. So, requires uh, faith and faithfulness, but it's also worth it. There's sacrifice. 
And so, if we have to die to ourselves, recognizes that we live in Christ. That, that there's a different and a higher way of being. That we're no longer children just of this world, but we're the children of God's kingdom, of the heavenly kingdom. We're not children of the temporal, children of death, but children of life and eternity. And that means we have to sacrifice a lot, our wants, our desires, our needs. Sometimes we suffer in this world because of our faith in following Jesus, but it is absolutely worth it. We are no fools. In fact, uh, one of my greatest and favorite quotes is, uh, came from a man who was uh, Jim Elliott, who was a missionary who gave his life as a young man in his 20s, uh, trying to reach a cannibal tribe. And, and he was executed, was murdered on the... Uh, on the mission field, reaching this, this tribe, and later on his wife goes back and evangelizes them, an amazing story. But he said, and in one of his journals as he was writing, he's, he's, he's no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain which that which he cannot lose. And understand that we're in God's kingdom, God is giving us something that is amazing and can never be taken away. And so if God's kingdom is worth it, keep that in mind. As we go into this next thing. Now of course last week we talked about his view against this. Is he gives a warning for his for those who want to be part of his kingdom. He says that we have to stay salty. That we're going to live a different way. We can't be worldly. We're going to have to follow God's way. So uh, the church needs to remain salty. Holding on to God's standards. Not according to the culture. We have, There's a different culture in God's kingdom. And it's going to be. Sometimes it'll be applauded by culture and sometimes it will be rejected but staying salty is an important part of what we do but also we got to shine the light of god's truth not our own understanding not our own wisdom not our, with the shine truth be bold enough to speak truth in our community not just so that bring uh, uh glory to ourselves but so that the world can get to know god and bring him glory and not just by what we say but how we live with that then jesus goes on and he gives then probably one of the most confusing and controversial portions of the entire Sermon on the Mount. And he says here, not in Jeremiah, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 17. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until... Heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that's, that's a heavy verse. And it's been used, I think, at times incorrectly. And in fact, I've sat under some messages that have, and, and that have taught this incorrectly. And especially when I was in college as uh, young people, we would go through this. And it can lead to a certain level of legalism. Right? And that's contradictory to the rest of all of Jesus' teachings. Like I said, this is the manifesto. The rest of Jesus' life and ministry fills in the blanks. But what Jesus is doing here is not calling us to a greater level of legalism. It's the great lawgiver coming to this earth and explaining how we have misunderstood his law from the very beginning. 
We've misunderstood his purpose. We misapplied it. And he comes to really set us straight. He also, I think, addresses one of the things that has really hamstrung later on in his ministry. He would be attacked by saying that you're teaching people to disobey the law. In fact, it's one of the reasons that he was crucified is that he did miracles on the Sabbath. And many thought that he was disobeying the law. But of course he wasn't. He wanted to make sure that we understood his purpose. But I think also for us, 2,000 years later in the Gentile world, I think many Christians wrongly assume that Jesus came to just put us under this great cloud of grace and therefore our ethics and how we live and morals don't count. That there is no such thing as the importance of law. And Jesus begins, these are his words for his kingdom, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And he goes on to talk about how important they are. Not even one jot or tittle, right? Not one yod, right? It's going to be removed from the law. Every single thing is there on purpose and on place. The law isn't bad. And the church, I think, much of the reason why we have lost our salt and we do not shine the light of God's truth is oftentimes we have abolished the law and the prophets. We have not taken God's word seriously. And we want to build our kingdom and then we will add portions of God's ways into around our lives as it's convenient. But Jesus said, this is not the way that it is. Even the tiniest little detail is from him. Scripture is scripture and calls us to obedience to his kingdom. That, that Jesus is not the abolisher of the law. He is the lawgiver himself. And so we should take it seriously. See, that, that we have recognized that, that Jesus did not come to abolish the law. It matters for us. That we who are in his kingdom are not a lawless people. That I believe Christians and churches who go too far into grace abuse cheapen the lordship of our Savior. And they do so. It's not as though they're out of the kingdom completely. I mean, they says, if you teach others to do the same, you'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. At least they're there because we're saved by grace and faith. But grace abuse is a dangerous thing. It weakens our witness, but also destroys our, our lives. It diminishes the fact that we understand sin to be the source of death. Not just of physical death, but of spiritual death. Of real people. Do we have problems in this world? Yes. Are those problems called, caused by righteousness or sin? Sin. The God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. There will be no sin there and there will be no problems. And that's not a coincidence. But we love the taste of sin so much. We do. So oftentimes, we think of Jesus just abolishing the law. It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter how we act. God's good with it. He's cool with it. You're saved by grace through faith anyway. But that brings death. And it brings death into his body. Do you not know, my brothers and sisters, that our Lord and Savior loves you as a father? He doesn't want to live a, let us live lives of death. He's called us out of that. He's called us to a higher and a better and a more noble way of living. A way that, that brings life into the world. And the first thing I think we have to hear is that Jesus is serious about this. That he didn't come to abolish the law. That we need to take scripture, all the scripture, very, very seriously. But maybe not the same way as... The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, how they had understood it, how the culture had understood it. 
You see, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but Jesus did come to fulfill the law. That's your fill in the blank there, right? Didn't come to abolish it, but came to fulfill it. And how did he do that? Like, he, he didn't come to say the law doesn't matter. He came to make sure that it was completely filled. Now, there's, there's several different ways that he fulfilled the law. The one that we understand very clearly is this, is that he, he, he met all the terms of the law. It's like, I like to use uh, when I'm talking to someone and helping them explain uh, the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant and why it is that I can eat shellfish and I love it and, and hot dogs, which we're going to enjoy today. I can have pork and bacon. It's good. Why is that? And I can still be a follower of, of Jesus, even though he didn't come to abolish the law. Well, he fulfilled it. That's part of it. That uh, it, It's like when you have a cell phone contract, right? Say you have AT&T and, and you've got a contract on there and it's three years or whatever, and you got to pay them every month. And if you pay them every month, then you get phone service, right? And maybe a discount on a phone. That's what you get. And so you do that for three years. You're faithful and you do not sin against them. And you pay it off, right? After three years, your contract is done. So let's just say three years and one month later, you decide, I don't want to pay AT&T anymore. Can you do that? Absolutely. You fulfilled your covenant. You fulfilled the contract. It is no longer in play for you because so now you're free to go somewhere else. Maybe you want to go to Sprint. Who knows? I don't know why you would, but let's say you did. <laughs> free to do it. And then if you went into a Sprint, you got a two-year contract with them. AT&T couldn't come back and say, well, you need to give us money too. Right? And that's the way that it works. There's the old covenant. God made that covenant with the very specific people. We call them the covenant people, the Old Testament people, the, the Israel. Jewish, he was not anti-Israeli. Okay? He, he was he was like the most Jewish Israel person that ever existed. He was the only one that actually did everything perfectly. But another way that Jesus fulfilled the law as part of that law was a way for people who were sinful to be made right with God. And that was through the sacrificial atonement. Now the law allowed for animals to be sacrificed to pay the price for sin, right? But know that there was never an end to those sacrifices because there was a never an end to people's sins. And the blood of bulls and goats really can only go so far. But if the wage of sin is death and every time you sin there has to be a death, that's a lot of death. I've sinned a lot. Which is why the priest would have to go into the temple day after day, year after year, and make sacrifice for people's sins where by faith God would grant them the opportunity or the, the privilege of salvation. But with that, they would never truly be cleansed because the sins never ended. But Jesus fulfilled the law by being the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he could do that because he was not only sinless as a man, that he could die for the sins of men, but also he was God. He had infinite life, which is a lot more than you and I have. And so when he died on the cross, he paid for an infinite number of sins, which is more than I've sinned and you sinned, I can tell you. And that's a lot, but it's more than the sins of the entire world. In fact, the infinite sacrifice of God covered all of the sins of the world and yet left infinity left over, which is why Jesus was raised again to eternal life. 
See, Jesus fulfilled the law, and so there no longer needed to be sacrifices. Why there's no more temple is why there's no more sacrifice for sin. God's been satisfied. Justice has been satisfied. Jesus fulfilled the law. He did it. And so there's been a new order that's been set up. But Jesus fulfilled the law in a whole other way, too. And the prophets as well. This old, old covenant. Is it's like this. You know like a, a balloon? You ever bought one of those? They're like little shriveled little rubber things. And they look silly and they really don't do much. Right? But if you blow it up, then it's awesome. Because then you can play fun games with it. If you put healing, even better, it flies around. You see, that until it's filled, it's really not fulfilled its purpose. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. That there was so much more to the law than just this, the external, what it looked like on the outside. There was a, a, a richness and a depth to God's law that people had missed entirely. And Jesus came to fulfill it, to give that richness and purpose to the law, which had been missed throughout all the ages. In fact, next week and the week after that, we'll get to look at how Jesus really fulfills the law. How he makes it much bigger and expands it. Jesus did not diminish the law at all. In fact, he made it much bigger. And, and when we read that next section, as we talk about next week, one of the things that we look at is he fulfills the law so much that it seems that the law as it was, was way too big for us. In fact, the Pharisees and, and, the, and the teachers of the law, which he writes about here, seem to be the most righteous people of all because they took the law as it was and they, they applied it really well. In fact, they wrote laws around the law so they wouldn't violate the law. And Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds theirs, you can't even enter the kingdom. If that doesn't terrify you, I do not obey God's law to the same level. I mean, they were, they were to the point where if you gave them a spoonful of cumin, they would count out the cumin and then take 10% of it and then give it to the priest. That's insane to me. Like that, that level of, of being like precise out of their reverence for God. And yet, Jesus said that's not the purpose. There's got to be a righteousness, a fulfillment of the law that's even greater than that. And he talks about it in the next paragraphs as to really how deep it goes. And, and to understand next week as he goes into that, we have to talk about this week. Why? How can this be? Well, the key to all of this, and I'm going to give you just from the rest of Scripture... How this kind of plays in. Because Jesus doesn't tell them here yet. They, the, the crowds here, they had to wait. They had to wait until the rest of all of Jesus' teachings. And then the New Testament came out and all that. To, and, and their minds continued to be expanded. How, how they understood what Jesus was talking about here. But, but what Jesus is mentioning here talks about two different orders. Two different ways that things operate. There is the old order of things. There is not just the old covenant, but the whole way that people understood how God worked, how law worked, how God's kingdom was supposed to be. But there was a new order that God was bringing, that Jesus was, was initiating. And the old order, it, what it did is it provided external regulations. And there's a fill in the blank for you too. The old order provided external regulation. That's what the law did. In fact, isn't that what every religion does? There are rules, there are laws in which people have to like obey. And different religions have their own different rules. Some religions won't even let you have coffee. Can you imagine? Some won't let you have bacon or lobster. Right? Some require you to wear things on your head. 
right? Some make it to work on certain days and not on other days. Every religion has different rules to conform our actions and behaviors from the outside with the hope that if we conform people's behavior on the outside, we will contain the wickedness and therefore there will be less wickedness and brokenness in the world. That's what religion does. And that was the understanding of, of the Pharisees. That was the understanding of the teachers of the law. That's why they put laws around the law. They thought if we could just keep these, then we will contain the wickedness of, of people. We'll put ourselves in these tiny little cages so we can't act bad. But we'll still be little beasties on the inside, right? And it's not as though the law is bad. I mean, if you go into a society where there's anarchy, you'll appreciate law. It's good that there are laws that keep people from doing bad things. I appreciate that. But the problem is, is that God's kingdom is not supposed to be something so superficial. See, God's kingdom is not a zoo in which he has a bunch of saints in little cages so for his angels to look at and say, oh, look how well contained they are. See, Jesus came to set us free. And what the law could not do, could never do. What the law is, we just obey the law. It keeps us from doing what we naturally would be. Which is why the old order of things had to be replaced, had to be fulfilled. So there could be a new way, a new order. In fact, even in the law and the prophets, they talk about this new order. The prophet Jeremiah, one of the saddest books of scripture, Lamentations Jeremiah wrote, it's even sadder. But Jeremiah was a prophet who, uh, he, he taught and prophesied to a nation of Israel who lost their salt and lost their life. And they were, they were pretty naughty and they were worshiping other gods and there were all kinds of, of idolatry happening and they all thought they were righteous while they did it. And he was teaching the people saying, turn back to God. There is a way that he tells us to live. You need to love him most. And they just ignored him and they put him in jail and they did all kinds of nasty things to him, right? And God warned him. He told him, he said, prophesy this. The nation's going to be destroyed. I'm not going to abandon them. And in the midst of the saddest book, you get near the end of it, in Jeremiah 31, uh, and really starting in verse 31, so it's easy to remember. And that saddest and darkest of place, you sometimes find the happiest and most joyful of scriptures. In Jeremiah 31, 31, God said, after all of those things, after the judgment, listen to this. He says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now that's a different kind of law. See, the old, the old order, all the best it could do is it could, it could restrain us. That's all it could do. There was no freedom in the, in the old order. There was only limitation. That's why when Scripture says that there was going to be a new covenant, as the old way was fulfilled, there was a purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was, was written was not just to... to Provide external regulation. That God didn't provide a scripture that we could be just good acting boys and girls. He came that we could be truly good from the inside out. 
So whereas the old order came to provide external regulation, the new order that, that Jesus was bringing, the kingdom of God, the new order provides internal transformation. That God would do in us what the law could never do from the outside. That God would make us truly changed from the inside. He would write his laws on our hearts and minds. It's not that we wouldn't murder people because the law would keep us from it and we were afraid of God's punishment. It was that he will change us so profoundly that we would never kill anyone. We wouldn't even hate them. It's not as though that, that we're going to be faithful to our spouses and we're not going to sleep around because there's God's law and I'm, you know, I'm not going to commit adultery. But man, she sure looks nice. And I would if there wasn't this law and all God stopping me. That's exactly what I would do. I mean, I'd still be an adulterer right here. And it may stop me from doing those things, but then I have this war within me. No, God's new order is that he's going to make us truly good from the inside out. That I'll be so faithful, so enamored of my wife that I would never even think about looking at another woman. Not that the law has to stop me, that God changes me. This is the new order. This is the kingdom of God. This is the better way. It doesn't do away with the law. It puts it into us. And it couldn't be done before Jesus fulfilled it. And why? Our sins were yet to be paid for. Until Jesus came, Scripture tells us that the blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin. All it could do is like putting it on credit. It was just rolling them up. Until the real sacrifice could come. But when Jesus came and fulfilled the law, our sins were paid for. Which means that we were given a righteousness that we could never have otherwise. And once we were cleansed and we have God's purity within us, His Holy Spirit was able to indwell us and comes to indwell us. And does something that for thousands of years, get this my brothers, for thousands of years, Thousands, millions of, of those who, who worship God, Abraham, Moses, Noah, all of them, Sarah, all of them, they didn't experience what we have. All they could experience was the external regulation stopping them from doing what they, their hearts wanted to do. But now we live in the age of, of the grace of God where he transforms us. You experience a miracle that humanity has never known. You experience something that religion can never do. We are part of the greatest order ever. The kingdom of God is not something that is just when we get to heaven, God will then transform us. He is transforming us now, daily. He is making us alive in Christ. This is the new order. And if you understand this, then, then the rest of we get into the, the, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. The conviction that we sometimes feel there is not so much conviction. It's something that we look to and say, God, make that true in me. You see, when I, I read through it as first a Christian and I got to the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. And I would read things about, boy, says not to murder, but if you hate somebody, then you're a murderer. I was like, well, that's awfully extreme. And it says things like, well, you know, if you're going to look at a woman lust, one will poke out your eye. Better to have, you know, go into heaven with one eye than to go into hell with two. I was like, well, that's awfully extreme. 
And I had people in college that were seriously considering poking out their eyes. Because we missed the point. See, even if I poked out my eyes, I would still be a luster. Right? Even if I cut off my hands, I would still have the urge to smack somebody. I mean, just walk through downtown in the summertime. <laughs> I need God to change me. And here's the thing. The longer I walk with Jesus, the more he changes me. God is doing a work here. He's writing his law in my heart in a way that I never thought possible. He's, he's doing a, a, a transformation in my life. If you knew me at 16 when I found Jesus, that was a very different person. But it's not just true for me. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's true for you. But that transformation is a cooperation with God. That God's not just going to bop you on the head and one day you're going to be like, oh, I'm so much better. See, God writes his law into our hearts as we cooperate with him. That's why we trust and obey. That's why there's faith and faithfulness. We're not saved because I do good works. I'm not saved as, like a, as, a, as a man. It's like, well, could I be saved and have an affair with my wife? Of course I could, right? I'm not saved by that. But why grace abuse doesn't help is that it keeps me from enjoying the transformation. The longer I walk in dead ways and in disobedience to God and his kingdom, the less his kingdom is written to my life. But if you can trust God enough, not just relying on the law to contain you, but say, God, I'm going to trust your way. I'm going to follow you. You're going to experience a miracle that no one before Jesus had ever had the privilege of experiencing. He will begin to transform you. That's what he does. He does it predictably. He does it reliably. So our role is not to save ourselves. It's not to fulfill the law. Jesus did that. Our role is to walk in the order. To let God transform us. To walk in obedience and trust with faith and faithfulness. And as we do that, he changes us. We stay salty. We can shine his light into the world. And he receives glory. Isn't that wonderful? You know, before I get into the, the next steps, I want to share something with you that happened this week. And I somebody wants to introduce you to. Is, uh, is I want to show you how this happens. Um, last week, no, the week before, I got a phone call. I was between two things. Caleb picks up the phone and says, hey, Aaron, there's a, a salesman for uh, solar panels that wants to talk to you. And 9,999 times out of, you know, 10,000, I would say no, because I don't. I don't need that. So, you know, so I was like, nah. Uh, but I felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to take this phone call. I'm like, okay. So I walk back to my office and I take the phone call with a really great attitude, by the way. <laughs> and there's a guy named Ryan and he sells, uh, helps churches or uh, communities and things like that, put solar into their, their houses, helps the community get better and all these things. And, and uh, want to set up a meeting. And again, normally I would just be like, no. But I felt the Holy Spirit like, no, you need to do this. And, and I'm not one of those people like, the Holy Spirit didn't like talk audibly because that freaked me out. It was just kind of like, just like, no, I need to do this. So I set up an appointment. And this week uh, was the appointment. And so Ryan shows up and it was around 10 o'clock. And I thought it'd be like 30 minutes where I could listen to the spiel and I could say, oh, that's nice. Okay, goodbye. Right? Bless you. We never even talked about solar. Not the entire time. I mean, we talked for about four and a half hours. 
And uh, Ryan is a man who has been seeking after God in all kinds of amazing ways his entire life. Done uh, uh, from New Age stuff. There was shaman uh, in his life. He's been seeking God, going to different places on earth where he could feel the spiritual vortexes and things like this. Seeking after God. And he's experiencing the old order. And through this conversation, it was amazing how God was able to, to help Ryan find what his heart longed to find this entire time. He found Jesus. And uh, Ryan, if I had you come up, just once the church could be Jesus, you know his brother in Christ. And so it's been amazing. See, Ryan is a... He's a very different dude than me because I live next door to my dad and I live in the same town. Right? I've been here 20 years at this church. He decided to sell everything and move into a van and have van life so he could have freedom. It's a totally opposite person. <laughs> same Jesus. And he found, he found the love of Christ. And uh, so we talked about you're saved by God's grace through faith. By believing, confessing, repenting, the importance of baptism, the importance of being discipled in a healthy church. So the next morning, we, we got up early. We, he wanted to go to a lake because he loves me. I don't know. So we went up to Mary's Lake by the power play. I thought that would be poetic. And at the most refreshing, he wanted me to hold him on it for three seconds. I was like, okay, dude. Uh, but this is the way of the new kingdom. That, that Ryan wasn't saved because he did anything he earned. He wasn't saved because he, he was had to go climb a mountain and say so many prayers. He wasn't saved because he did anything righteous, because his Lord and Savior came and fulfilled the law for him. But he needed to accept it by faith and express that by faithfulness. And this is an example for all of us because it's not just the day that we're saved. This is, this is the way of the kingdom every day. This is who we are. And so Ryan is, you know, as he travels like, country's van we are his home church so i want you to get to know him and to pray for him right as he goes and we're going to be meeting a lot weekly to go through discipleship but this is the step this is the way so i'm going to pray for you but then i'm going to have a challenge for all of us okay okay heavenly father i thank you so much for our brother Ryan. i thank you that you brought him to your kingdom lord that you allowed his heart and his eyes to be open but after such a long journey of seeking that he found you, the creator, not just the creation. Thank you for his rebirth. Father, I pray your blessing and protection over him. May this church be a place where he grows in faithfulness. Protect him from the enemy. And Father God, I pray that you help him grow strong in faith. And help him be salty and shine your light wherever he goes. Father, may we be a blessing. I pray that you would lift up this church family as brothers and sisters. Help us support him and each other, each of us, as we learn to follow you in a deeper, more profound way. We pray in Jesus' name. So we're going to have a picnic and y'all want to say hi to Ryan, but I know what? This is the way of the kingdom for all of us. Faith and faithfulness, wherever it is, maybe it's the first step of your journey like Ryan's in. But you're bold enough to say, I've been seeking and I've been searching, but you can find Jesus. He came and he fulfilled. He is the fulfillment. Or maybe it's today, just trusting that king one more time. 
Maybe there's a sin in your life, something that you've been choosing above God. Not one jot or tittle from God's kingdom. His law is unimportant. His righteousness matters. Now, yeah, you can be a part of his kingdom and, and, and to, to walk in that, but why would you want to stay unchanged? Why do you want to stay in the cage? Follow God, confess it, repent, turn back to him, and let him transform you and walk in the freedom of the new order, of the new life. So with that, I've got next steps because that's the way that I roll. On your connection card, here's some things I'm going to challenge you to do. You'll see the very first one on there is to read the book of Romans. And why? Because Paul in the book of Romans does an incredible job explaining this new order. And how it doesn't contradict the old order but fulfills it. It is the, one of the greatest books of divine uh, uh, explanation of, of our theology of what is true that, that we'll find in scripture. It is, it is so good. So it's important for us as Christians never to get far from God's training, His teaching. So this week, yes, it's a longer letter, but it's not that long. Can you spend time in Romans and let God speak to you? Second thing, right there, can you memorize Matthew 7.24? That's our anchor verse. Because remember, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and then puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. That God wants you to have a secure and a good life, but it goes into trusting Him and obeying Him, right? And so in this, just that reminder, let God do His work in you. Something else you might want to do this week, this is a, maybe your step, is you need to choose transformation over uh, this uh, uh, regulation. If you've been approaching God's Word and the law as a list of do's and don'ts, I want to encourage you to take the step into the new order. You're, you're part of the old order. That, that's been paid off. You're part of the old system. Man. Come to the new part where God changes you. Don't just say, God, I want to obey you. Say, God, I want you to change me. That's why I'm trusting you. Right? Bring your brokenness to him and appeal to him and say, God, yes, I'm going to trust you. And every time I fail, I'm going to ask for your forgiveness. I ask for, but, but I want you to change me profoundly. Let him do that. Start living the freedom of Christ. Maybe something else you need to do is to join the membership class. Because you know where transformation takes place? In the body of Christ. You need pastors, you need elders, you need brothers and sisters who help you. You need a place to serve Him and grow up in faith. And if you have been coming to this church but you're not a member of it yet, it's about darn time that you do. So join us next week. We'll talk about that. I'd love to have you part of that class. And you know what? If you need to be baptized, like, like Ryan or... And you wonder what baptism is, and join us the week after for the baptism class, right? BC on your connection card. Here in a moment, we're going to take our offering. I'm going to ask you to take these connection cards, put your commitments on there, drop those in the offering baskets as they're passed. Make this one more appeal of, of stepping to that new order with Christ. Can we do that? All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you, uh, that you do more in us and through us we could ever take credit for. I thank you came to fulfill the law, something we could never do. Father, the law is so much bigger than what the, the Pharisees are doing. I'm so grateful that heaven is not like living in a pharisaical <laughs> country where we're just so regulated to death that we can't do anything that our hearts would want us to do. But God, you change us. You make us actually truly righteous from the inside out. Lord, I pray that that truth would be a reality for every person that's here today. 
that, that whatever we have, whatever sin we have, whatever brokenness we have, whatever error in our life we've been faithless, whatever idols that we've been, been, been worshiping, putting things above you, Father, give us the courage today to tear those down. Father, let us, let's have the trust to follow you today, knowing that you're not holding out on us. And change us, Father, so we don't need those rules anymore, that they would be in our hearts and our minds. And as we do that, Father, help us stay salty. Let us shine the light of your truth in our words and our actions so you can receive glory because you are worthy. Father, take all of these commitments we've said today, Lord, not as legalistic uh, things to earn your approval, but, Father, just expressions of our faith in you and use them to transform us. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Uh, would you stand with us as the ushers come around and we're going to sing one last song together today before we have our annual church picnic. Would you sing with me?